The Jericho Network on Westwood One. This is One on One with Mitch LaFond, the podcast where the rockers talk, part of the Talking Metal Digital Podcasting Network. Now, here's your host, Mitch LaFond. Welcome to One on One with Mitch LaFond. And joining me on this episode, it is a bassist singer from King's X, Doug Pinnock. He is also in KXM with Ray Luzier of Corn and George Lynch, formerly of Dawkin and, of course, of Lynch Mob. Their new album is Scatterbrain. We talk about that and a whole lot of other stuff. Before checking out the interview, please check me out on Twitter, at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N. Like it if you already haven't. And there you go. And with that, here is the one, the only, the exceptionally humble, Doug Pinnock. We are speaking with KXM's Doug Pinnock. The new album is Scatterbrain, coming out March 17th. Uh, Doug, a pleasure to speak with you. The last time I saw you oof, probably was like 10 or 15 years ago at the House of Blues for a King's X show. Uh, House of Blues in L.A. for a King's mm-hmm. So it's been a while. <laughs> That was a good show, too. <laughs> that was a great show. And in fact, what what impressed me more being a, a boy from Montreal is uh, as I walked out, uh, Slash was milling about from Guns N' Roses, and I went, man, L.A. is not like Montreal. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so let's talk the new album. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about sort of the, the process going into it. Uh, you know, having spoken to Ray before, he sort of said you know, you guys didn't really have pre-production or rehearsals or big writing sessions. You sort of showed up at the studio and hit record. Uh, is that sort of how you would describe the process as well? There is no other way I can describe it. So talk I mean, to me. Seriously, we, we, went, we went into the studio and we sat down and said, okay. And we just went through three, four and stopped playing something. And we just played until we found something that worked and then we recorded it. It didn't take us long. I mean, it was like the riffs for the part would come up within two or three minutes or less. And then we would uh, record it and continue to make parts up until we thought we had the song. And then we would um, piece it together and, and, and that's what you got. It, didn't, it wasn't long. It took us maybe, you know, half hour each song, I would say, maybe less or more. Now, after you come down with sort of the, the framework for the song, do you go back and re-record it like officially, like you've you've sussed this stuff out and you've got you know whatever the oh, song? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray's the first guy. After we know exactly what we want, then we'll cut and paste the whole song together on Pro Tools, and then Ray will go back in and sit down and play the whole song straight through, and then then George and I will both come back and do all of our parts straight through again, and uh, then I'll do the vocals after everything's done. Have we lost? sort of some of the soul of music by having Pro Tools and by having auto, Auto-Tune and all that technology? Yeah. Yes, we have, but, but we've gained and lost. You know, we've gained because it's easier now. Yeah, you make up a riff and post it, and make up another riff and post it on your uh, Pro Tools and another one and then cut and paste it and it all makes sense, which makes it easier. Um, uh, you don't have to do it live. But, you know, both ways work as long as the end result is a whole piece, you know. So so we're piecing everything together with Pro Tools, but then after we figure out what we're doing, we go and do the whole song like it's supposed to be done. Which So as far as I'm concerned, it's the same process at the end. The end result is the same process. That's what I'm saying. But on the other hand, too, 
it's a, you know, y'all go in the studio and some kid comes in and he, and he's got to do his guitar part and he'll do one verse and say, okay, fly it and walk out the door. Well, you know, practice does make perfect. <laughs> you know, I've always said the more you do the same riff, 20 years from now, that same riff will just be magical. Look at, look at ACDC or, um, you know, bands that have been around for 30, 40, 50 years. They might sound the same, but there is a magic that's happened because they practice, they played that riff so many times that it becomes, it becomes tangible instead of just, uh, 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 audio, you know, and that and that's what people forget, and that's what Pro Tools has done. It's kind of backed people off from really honing in on the stamina of playing. You know, you can sit down and learn a lick by watching YouTube, but what happened to the days where we had a record and we had to stop the record and back it up and slow it down and work at it until we figured out what was going on, then we carefully learned it on our guitar, and that's what made made people in the older days it seemed had we we played with more emotion you know nowadays nobody has time to put their heart into it they're too busy learning the licks from youtube which i guess is good in one sense but also sort of a pity i think which is why some of that 60s and 70s music 70s music holds up and some of the later stuff you know um when kmx well, true i could you, never i could never go back to analog so you know it's just so a lot of work <laughs> Yes, yeah, especially getting out the razor blade and cutting tape. Um, KMX. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the good old mm-hmm. days, right? Um, when the mm-hmm. band first came out and the first album came out, uh, you know, I had gotten in the, the impression, obviously wrongly, that the band was sort of a one-off and it was just going to be this one. But it's not. Why was it important for you to come back to the band and do a second record? Um what is it about Ray and George that, that, that's exciting to work with? Well, the honest truth is I love playing with Ray and I love playing with George. But we put the record out. It sold well. People really liked it. So we said, well, why don't we keep doing this? You know, why, why should we stop? It didn't make any sense. And it's, it's another paycheck for me also. You know, it's like, you know, I'm I'm a starving musician like anybody else, so these side projects help me pay my bills. Um, so it's an economical thing also, but uh, but we're friends, and we have a respect for each other. And I think that, we, for me personally, I didn't think a whole lot about it when we decided to do this. I just said, oh, I'll get together and make a record with these guys. And when we started to make the record, I started to fall in love with this band the guys who play and what they play and how they are and who they are and their, their comedy, their personalities, everything. And I really feel in this situation that we're actually a real band. And I think we'll always be that, no matter what our other projects are. So, so do you see that moving forward, whereas it is a band now and, just, and not just this sort of project that you get to once in a while? Do you see yourself touring? Do you see yourself making a third and a fourth album and a live? I mean, do you... Do you see yeah. sort of the band thing? Okay, we see, it. we see it all. The only problem is it's sort of like having uh, it's having a mistress. <laughs> we have our wives we have to attend to, which is King's X, Corn, and Lynch Mob, and you know all the other projects that George does. So, so the problem with KXM is as much as we love it and we enjoy it, we ha- it's on the back burner when it comes to our other projects. So until uh, the biggest problem is Ray with Corn because they tour us so much. And then when he does have a second off, he's got to spend with his family and, and stuff like that. So our biggest 
problem right now is just getting ready to be free enough to go out and do some shows. Um, and that's what we want. Because for, for me, I have days off, many days off, months off sometimes with King because we don't, we don't tour as much as most things do. What we need to do is is convince Ray to have Corn have KMX be the opening band on every tour. That would be the way to do it. That that had that discussion has come up. I won't talk any more about it because I don't want to start the rumors. But you know, if that would work out, that would be awesome. There has, there there may be a possibility. We know. Well, and that, it would absolutely make sense. Uh, musically, it's a fit. It's not like one is doing opera and mm-hmm. the other one's doing country. And you know. Fan-wise, I think it makes sense. Um, you mentioned yeah. before, yeah, it does. You, you mentioned before that you know you do a lot of these projects because it's a paycheck, and and you know you're a starving musician like others. Um, let's look at King's X for a second. The band's been around since the mid '80s. Numerous, numerous albums out. Um, you know, great cult following, a lot of respect among fellow musicians. Why did you not get to that next level? Why was there not a King's X arena tour? Why were you not playing Madison Square Garden? You know, where... I'll, give you, I'll give you an analogy. I'll okay. give you an analogy. If Tide puts out a product and it's new and improved, you know, whatever, it's a product and they put it out and they spend a whole bunch of money, put it out, they push it like crazy, and nobody buys it but a handful of people. What are they going to do? They're going to they're going to take it off the shelf and put it in a mom and pop store for that handful of people that love it. That's what King's X is. We have a core of people who love us, mainly musicians, and um, they'll follow us to the end. Um, very very loyal fans. It isn't a million. It isn't a hundred thousand. You know, it's just not enough. But if we go out and tour and, and you know, budget right and work work the numbers right, we can actually make a paycheck and come home and pay some bills. But that's about how it works with us. Basically, people didn't buy it. Um, right. Everybody, you know, people want to blame record companies. They want to blame media. They want to blame all kinds of stuff. But when King's X came on, we were all over the place like everybody else. We were level with all the other bands, but nobody bought our music. That's the bottom line. And when they don't buy any music, you can't work. And I don't know why. You know, it's like, I, I, sometimes I think about it. I listen to all these bands, and, and especially because in the 90s, I know all of that. And I knew them all when their first record came out, and I watched them sell zillions of records. And, and, and in the beginning, they looked at us as big brothers, and they said, well, you can only be like King's X. Well, they took off and surpassed us. And, and they're all my friends, and I see them sitting in their mansions and their big paychecks, and you know, and and I struggle to pay my bills. But you know, that's life. You know, you put a business together. Some people have a product that everybody wants. Some people have a product that a few people want, and that's that's what we settle into. There's nothing else we can do but continue to do what we do. Try to make the best music we can for the people that want to hear it. And, you know, people always say, you do what's coming, you're going to be, you're going to make it. Well, we already did. I said, we were on the mountaintop. I've seen it. I've, I've lived through it. We we were sat in the Rolls Royce for a while. I, I call it the rock and roll Rolls Royce with ACDC and, and Scorpions. And we did some major tours with uh, program and things like that. So we got to live the dream. Um, at the end of the day, you know, people know who I am. And so, you know, what more can you ask for? 
Was it ever for you, though, a, a source of frustration or depression where you just sort of went, why the hell am I doing this? Why don't I just go get an accounting job? You know, have you, did it ever get to that point? Oh, I've gotten that point so many, so many times. Okay. It's unbelievable. But the, at the end of the day, this is what I've always done, and this is what I always will do. And I don't see any other thing to do other than this. And, you know, if I sing on somebody's album and they give me 500 bucks to, 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 to sing on it, well, that's, that'll pay a bill. You know, I mean, that's why I live now. And the good thing is somebody wants me to sing for them. You know, people want me to be a part of their projects and do things. And, and, and so, you know, uh, I get to pick and choose even, you know, some things I can turn down, some things I can, can go for, you know, because, you know, I have value in the marketplace. It's not a whole lot, but at least I can still work. And so, so I'm uh, at 66 years old, I have come to the conclusion I'm not going to cry about the past. I'm going to move forward and try to make music and continue to, I don't know, try to make the best music I can. And that's why I love KXM is because it's almost like it's not over. You know, we put this record out and people aren't saying, oh, but three old guys who are just doing some tired music trying to rehash, you know, the past. This is actually some fresh stuff and, and, and people are responding to it. So, so that in itself makes me happy and takes me out of that depression of, oh, I didn't make it and what was me bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and I certainly and, wasn't and trying I to... Say, I, can, I can say one thing, too. Is my story, you know, our, our lack of success or whatever you want to call it, you can go down the list. There's thousands of bands out there that have the same story, you know, with managers that screwed them over, record companies that didn't didn't quite do the right thing or whatever. You, know, you could, you could, you got all kinds of stories. So I never want people to go, oh, woe this does or oh, poor does. You know, I, I'm happy. You know, I, <clears throat> I got to live my dream better than most. You know. Yeah, and and I certainly wasn't suggesting, oh, poor Doug. What, what I was actually going to get to though is, no, 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 no. Right. I wouldn't say that, but people have said that. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You know, I would complain about. I don't go to Europe. I don't want to fly ten hours. I go, oh, poor Doug. He gets to go to Europe and play for thousands of people while we go to work. That's what my friends would tell me. So they shut me down real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> reality check. No, but but as you were going through the '90s, and you know th- there was a modicum of success and and failures, and this and what I've always respected about King's X is that you sort of stuck to your guns. You know, you made this song. I've always. I'm, my perception, I guess, is you always made the songs that were right for your voice, your band, you guys. Was there ever the temptation to say, okay, we need to make a, a more Soundgarden album. We need to make a more Nirvana-ish mm-hmm. album. We need to make a more, you know, pop record. I mean, did that ever come into play? Well, yeah, all the time. Every, every song I write, I thought about that, and I tried. You know, but what happens is when you get done with the end result, it's not... Nirvana is not Soundgarden, no matter how I try. You know, and the thing about those bands also, uh, just a lot of bands of the 90s that were doing it, a lot of them sounded, you know, they had an element of King's X in them. So it was sort of like, okay, uh, Soundgarden is going to imitate King's X, imitating Soundgarden, imitating King's X. You know what I'm saying? It was like, remember when uh, uh, Spoon Man came out? Sounded like a song like a Dogman record. You know, and I, I remember Outshine sounded like a song off of the, the, the Out of Silent Planet album. You know, and it's not that we were copying each other. I think we were all forging. Are you there? 
Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm listening attentively. Okay, so I, I, thought the, I thought my phone, my phone vibrated. But I think we were just all, we all discovered this drop detuning and we were, you know, moving forward. I mean, us and Soundgarden were the first two bands really that were really going going down in Alice in Chains. And, you know, and then I really, everybody started going drop D and this whole thing started happening. But, but um, back in the day, yeah, we all were just like, running down the road together with all this this new sound that we had all discovered, you know? Yeah, it sounded good. Uh, the side projects, we, we touched on that, too. You've had all kinds, uh, Grinder Blues, Pinnick Gales Pridgen, you know, KXM. Uh, there's been Platypus for, for, <laughs> for Ty. There's been uh, Jelly Jam for Ty. So is there a point where maybe you've just sort of spread yourself so thin and stopped minding the store? And, so, and maybe if, if there had been a focus... On the brand King's X, it might have moved forward, or is that? I think that I think that a lot of people, especially our fans, think that. Okay. But it, 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 I think it has a lot to do with just emotionally and the way we feel about things. I mean, when you keep putting records out and nobody buys them and nobody cares, you know your incentive kind of goes down. You you still have the creation, your creativity, and you still have the drive. But it's almost like, okay, let's have a party, but nobody's going to come to it. Why do you want to have a party? Well, we got to have a party. It's fine. Well, you want to have it next week or next year? Well, let's do it next year. Next year comes around. Hey, well, let's do it next year. You know, it's like you just got to, I don't know, it just gets to the point where you just feel like it's, it's more of a struggle than, than a joy. And when you, like, I remember the Doobie Brothers put a record out. It, it was called What? What once was a vice is now a habit. You know, it's what I do now is a habit. You know, so I have to look at it differently. If we had the encouragement of zillions of people coming to see us, you know, it might make me write differently, might not let me write from my heart. You know, sometimes when you get into a a band that gets so big that they're a corporation, that you're at that point dictated as to what to say, what to sing about, and how to look, because you've got lots of people on a payroll check, you've got accountants, you've got everybody that's controlling you so that everybody can make their money. You know, so there's so many different aspects to the the uh, what a band does in from their success to lack of success but bottom line it's all a daily struggle just to keep up um yeah and just live your life and and, and deal with everything that comes your way just like, just like anybody else you know i might be babbling i'm sorry i got stoned <laughs> yeah um no 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 you're not babbling in fact i find it quite interesting um uh, and, I'll, and I'll finish here with King's X, and then we'll get back to uh, Scatterbrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, 2012, you put out Burning Down Boston. And uh, mm-hmm. that was meant to raise money for uh, drummer Jerry Gaskill, who had a heart attack and had medical mm-hmm. bills and so on and so forth. Now, as a mm-hmm. Canadian, I, I just don't understand this whole medical bill thing. I've had two heart surgery myself, and I've paid a grand total of zero dollars. Um, I, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm baffled by, by your American system, but you know, we're not here to talk politics, but, um, but first of all, it's all about corporations, it's all about corporations, money and greed. America's <laughs> lobbyists can go in and cut and, 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 and twist the law enough for, for everybody to lose. 
and companies to win. It's set up that way. There's nothing we can do anymore. U.S. is over as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah. you know, the corporations control us in every way. In media, I mean, even what we, we see on the media, we don't even know if it's true anymore. We are completely controlled and manipulated. Big Brother has already taken control of us, and it's already here. Everybody's talking about it. No, it's already here. They've got us. Yeah. We're not getting away now. Yeah, that's what I find um, interesting about about you. And this is not has nothing to do with music, but uh, you know, in Canada we get Canadian media, and we got we have some European channels. We have uh, the, the the Russian channel that, and so I watch news from all these different things, and I see an event, and I get five different perspectives, and I go. Well, which one is true? I mean, CNN said this, exactly. and CBC said that, and RT News said that. And I'm like, you know, it, how, how can you have five different truths for the same? But you know, it, it's, it's baffling. Um, but let me get back to this um, burning down Boston. It was done for Jerry. When that happened and Jerry had the heart attack, how did that affect you? Is that, you know, you wake up and your bandmate has this. How was that for you? And, of course... Um, sort of describe the importance and the urgency to get that album out there and get the donations coming in um, and what it meant to sort of support your bandmate. For me, I didn't think of any of that because I was just concerned about Jerry. You know, I get a call from his, or a text message from his wife in the morning says, Jerry had a heart attack, 50-50 chance. That was it. And I got out of the bed and I walked around in circles and went, oh no, oh no. It was like the reality of he's gone, he's, he might not live and the band is over. Everything, my whole life was going to change, you know, and especially one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, so I didn't know what to do. And um, that's all I could think about. Um, when the people started, uh, somebody put a, uh, the, uh, I forgot what they call it, the thing to ask for money. But uh, somebody put that up, but I I didn't even think about that. I was too busy just worried about Jerry. So I wrote a couple songs, actually, is what got me through it. Sitting, waiting to find out, I wrote, we're so glad you made it when I found out he was okay. And, uh, and uh, there's a couple other songs on my naked record that I, I wrote while I was waiting to find out if he was going to make it. Um, it was a real crazy time for us. And all the other stuff, I'm, I mean, the, the outpouring of money for Jerry and for me for my hernia operation, it just humbled me and really surprised me that people would, would you know, send their $20 to, to, to help me um, uh, take care of my medical bills. And it was, it was 25 grand, and I, and I spent it all on the medical bills. <laughs> it was crazy, man. It, but this in America, it's terrible. The healthcare is just awful, and people are just dying. And people are—I mean, people are using half the medication instead of the whole medication because they can't afford it. You know, I mean, you, you know, you get a bottle of pills and it's fifty bucks. You know, and it's a month later you gotta go buy it again. People can't afford that at all. No, and and and, and, and they I, don't. Do it. And I've got to tell and they, you, and they think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I just gotta tell you again from 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 my Canadian perspective, I I'm just baffled. I've had two hernia operations, a kidney removed, and two heart surgeries, and I've paid a grand total of zero. Um, I, I'm 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 baffled by. But that said, you know you've done all this music, and your music has meant something to the fans. The fans that listen to it have either gotten through 
a tough time, a, a breakup, or this or that, and and music has that empowering kind of thing. But but obviously, when it comes back at you like it did with the fans in your surgery, does that sort of change the way you see things? Does that sort of say, "Hey, man, this, this wow"? I mean, you know, how is it for you to um, get that love back? It really showed me the love that people had for us. Uh, I, I, you know, I play music, but, you know, you forget people actually love you and they want you to be healthy because they received something from you that that they value. And so they want to support, you know, they wanted to support me. I, it was, you know, it brought me to tears because I'd never felt that kind of an overwhelming um, wave of appreciation. You know, yeah, no, it was it, awesome. it, music really is, is, is an empowering force. And uh, we'll just finish off with, with Scatterbrain. Where do we see ourselves going from here? I asked you before about touring and stuff, but have you already started thinking about a third album or have you already started thinking about the next thing for the band? Oh, not at all. Okay. <laughs> not at all. There's a... The record's not even out yet, so right. got a month for me personally. Um, uh huh. Oh yeah, less than a month. But at at that point, it's you know we see what it does. We've got three videos. We we just released the second video today. It's up on YouTube, and um, at that point, we're just going to uh, you know continue on with our other careers and see what happens with KXM. And hopefully, when Ray gets some time off, we can do some shows and continue to. To just try to be visible, you know. Yeah, and and, um, and yeah, I know there's going to be another KXM record. I yeah, there's no doubt about that. But but you know, there's nothing to think about because we'll probably end up doing it the same way we did it this time. We get together and jam out. Will know, there be another King's together. X record, by it, the way? Yes, we're talking about. Um, we're talking to a couple producers right now and a couple record companies about um, the whole deal. So. Um, and literally, we're in the middle of a negotiation, so there will be a new King's X record. I'm very excited. And uh, I'll, I'll it's finish... Been over 10 years. It's been 10 years, I think. It's been about 10 years. Well, if you look at the Boston one, it was 2012, and um, let me just see here. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been uh, Tales from the Empire with 2009, XV or 15 with 2008, so yeah, it's been it's been a while. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Well, the last proper album was... 14 or 15. That's what I consider. Yeah. So nine years ago. Yeah. I don't, I don't consider the live stuff legitimate. (laughs) True. No, I know what you mean, but yeah, it's been 50. Uh, And then we'll finish with this uh, quickly. George Lynch. Uh, I grew up with George as the guy in Dokken and, of course, you know, as hair metal or, or melodic rock, let's call it that became less favorable people. Oh, Dokken. Well, but in terms of being a player, um, he is just phenomenal, but you as a musician, how do you see him in terms of his playing and his abilities? Uh, he's a genius. What I love about George is, is when you back him in a corner, he comes up with amazing stuff, and that's kind of how we did it with uh, KXM. It's, I've, sometimes I'm mean to him. I just I won't listen to anything that he wants me to do. He'll, he'll say, hey, play this riff, and I'll go, no, George, I'm going to play anything that's the opposite for you. You know, my whole thing in this band was everybody do be who they are completely and not be concerned about the other person and what he's doing because we we have to trust each other. That's the most important thing about a band. 
And for me, it was sort of kind of an experiment. And as a result of it, I think that we, all three of us, came up with things that we probably wouldn't have come up with if we were in another band or situation because of being restrained or the pressure of having to create. You know, and with KXM, it's just, we just push the button and it just flows. And I look around and go, when did you come up with that riff? And now how can I make something that's going to compliment, not follow you? You know, and, and same thing with Ray is his playing. Ray played what he wanted, exactly what he wanted. Ray said he's never really been in a uh, his own band before. He's been in, you know, other bands. He's been hired guns for a lot of people. But this is his band, you know, so he, he can rule on the drums, do whatever he wants to. And that's what I love about this band is a, there's a freedom that that we're not constrained by our what do you call it, a proper job. <laughs> well, you're not restrained by your brands. You know, King's X has, yeah. to, King's X has a sound, Korn has a sound, and, and Ray, as you said, is just a hired gun, so he, he has even less of a say in it. And, you know, Lynch Mob and Dawkins, well, you know, you, you, you can't be doing KXM songs on a Dawkins record. It just wouldn't sound right. So, yeah, right. it's got to be very liberating for all of you. Um you know, yeah. there you go. Uh, I see our time is up. We 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 got to a half an hour, Doug. It, it was a great pleasure, and that uh, show that I saw at the House of Blues years and years ago was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, uh, pleasure to finally interview you after all these years. Well, you're welcome, man. Good to meet you. <laughs> absolutely, and hopefully we'll see you in Mon- in Montreal and in Canada soon. That would be a that'd be a either with oh, King's okay. X or with uh, or with KXM. Either one, just make it up here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Now. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. My interview with Doug Pinnock of KXM. The new album is called Scatterbrain. It also has friend Ray Luzier on drums and George Lynch, Lynch Mob, Doc and Fame on guitar. It is a masterpiece waiting to be discovered. And while you're discovering stuff, head over to Twitter and discover me there, at Mitch Lafon, M-I-T-C-H-L-A-F-O-N. And with that, I bid you a fond, fond farewell. Arrivederci, au revoir, avida zane, or as I like to say, bye for now. Cheers.